right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Locked On Gators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and your home for daily Florida Gators coverage. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Demetrius Harvey. You can find him at Demetrius82. Demetrius, as always, say what's up to the people. What's up, everyone? I feel as though we just talked to you guys because we recorded the Monday episode today, and we're recording the Tuesday episode on Monday night. So it feels like I just heard you guys or just talked to you guys and I'm excited. I'm excited that you guys are back here and listen to another podcast and hopefully we can provide you with the best Fortigators coverage that you'll ever hear. I mean, I already know that we do, but just to kind of reiterate it into your brains, uh, that's what you're going to get. And that's what we expect. Listen to how excited you guys have gotten Demetrius. He's hanging out with his pals again on a Monday night. (laughs) <laughs> I'm hanging out with my pals and you know you guys you guys are like family now. You know, I can't see you, I can't hear you, but but I know you're out there. You're out there listening. It's it's pretty pretty fantastic. I'm maybe I'm in your car right now. Maybe you're sitting down just chilling. You know, you're it's it's awesome. So about Demetrius. And you're thinking about me. <laughs> I, I will say that I do I, I do share the same honor and I, I, I do find it humbling that we've got a lot of people listening to the show. So as always, thank you for tuning in. Uh for, what we certainly hope is the best Florida Gators coverage out there. We're bringing more to you today. Uh, we've gotten, we're currently in between press conferences as we record this. Uh, Dan Mullen and Kyle Trask and a couple other players uh, got to speak earlier, and we are going to have Brian Johnson and some others tonight. So as we wait to find more storylines from the nightly presser, we've got a couple from the morning. We are starting off with an injury update. We, we got a couple of players expected to return, as well as another player with their latest update from Dan Mullen. In the second segment, we are going to be discussing Kyle Trask. You know, it was this contest a year ago when he stepped into action. We got a lot on that. We got a lot on his tight window throws. Some conversation with Dan Mullen coming on that. In the third segment, we'll be getting into recruiting, as there is a Florida Gators commit open recruitment going on right now. He plans to make a turkey day decision between his final four schools. So we'll get into that later. But Demetrius, we'll start with the news that Kyle Pitts is back. I think, I mean, obviously this is huge. We were talking about it before that we could have seen Florida just taking it easy with him and maybe not rushing him back into action, considering the severity of his injury. He needed a surgery on his nose. He had a concussion. Do you, do you necessarily need Kyle Pitts against Kentucky and Tennessee and LSU? No. But it is obviously wonderful to hear that he is good to go. He is healthy. Mullen even said he was itching to play against Vanderbilt. So, good news. Very good news. I mean, my son is back. I'm excited to be able to talk up Kyle Pitts for weeks on end. And every podcast, you know, you're going to hear me say about how he's probably one of the best tight ends I've ever seen in college football. And I'm excited to see him play against Kentucky. I just love his game. I love how big he is and how he's able to catch every ball that comes his way, how fast he is. You know, he's getting better as a run blocker. Just everything about Kyle Pitts just brings joy because it's awesome to watch a player develop, especially at the college level going into the pros. Now, I I will agree with you, Zach. I, I don't know. I don't know necessarily if they needed him back. And I don't know if that's necessarily a smart decision, but you know, you, you got you got to do what you got to do, and if they feel as though their offense is going to be humming better against Alabama in the SEC title game, if Pitts is back a few weeks in advance, and more power to him. I know, I've always thought that if Pitts is not going to be available, at least have him play 
one game prior to the title game, just to get him a little bit warmed up so he's not rusty going in against Alabama. So that's true. Maybe it's going to be a good thing, but at, at the same time, you know, he's coming back from a serious injury on his nose. You, if if you're coming back from a surgery, any kind of surgery, there's always going to be some sort of questions on how far along are you in that recovery? How much will it impact you? How much will it impact your your ability to make plays? Now, luckily, it's on his nose. I'm not necessarily sure exactly the extent at which the surgery uh, impacted him or the injury impacted him. Luckily, it's just on his nose, I guess, and it's on his key ligaments, which would obviously impact how he plays, how he runs, how he can turn, how he can catch. Luckily, it's just his, his face. So maybe now is a good time for him to come back, and I'm sure that Kyle Trask is going to be excited because you know he's been getting his Heisman campaign you know, the last couple of weeks. So this is going to be exciting, an exciting day for the Gators offense that really didn't miss a beat at all without him. At the same time, for sure, Kyle Trask is going to be overjoyed by this. I mean, against Arkansas, yes, they came out and they scored a season high in points despite not having Pitts. But then they did kind of come back down to earth. And we talk about it. Dan Mullen says it. You put up a day like Trask had against Vanderbilt and you consider it a not good day or a bad day, then you're probably doing just fine. But there is no doubt that there there's a lot more room for production across the entire offense just when Kyle Pitts is on the field. Whether or not it's Pitts going up and making these ridiculous plays and averaging 17.3 yards per catch, scoring on literally like no, like a third of his receptions on the year, there's it, just whether he's getting the ball or whether it's going to someone else because he's getting bracketed. I Kentucky's not got a bad defense, but I think Florida's going to come out and score a lot more points than they did this past week, at least, with Pitts in the lineup. Yeah, and I think that Pitts in the lineup doesn't only just open up the you know the space for Kyle Pitts. It opens up the ball and the ability for Kyle Trask to get the ball to different receivers. <clears throat> Excuse me. As we've seen over the past couple of weeks without Pitts, teams have been kind of keen in on Kadarius Toney. Now, Last week against Vanderbilt, even though they're supposed to be a pass-first defense, they really didn't key on Kadarius Tony early and often because Tony had 107 yards receiving and a touchdown. It was a great day for him. But now that Pitts is back in the lineup or going to be back in the lineup, you're going to see a lot more room for Trask to kind of sit back and pick his poison. He's going to either throw to Pitts or Kadarius Tony is going to be open. They're going to be double covering Pitts. They're going to be wide open receivers on the outside. I think this opens up the Gators offense to doing pretty much anything they want. Now that he's back in the lineup, um, should be a good day. I, I guess, I guess we'll have to see exactly how much they do integrate him into the lineup because as we've seen, you know, Kamari Gamble and Keon zipper, they kind of filled in the role pretty well, not to the extent that Kyle Pitts brings, but they did a pretty good job. Both of them had two touchdown games. It, it, it just seems as though, they have plenty of weapons to go around, and I don't necessarily think that you have to put Pitts in the game and play him on every single snap. Now, one weapon that at least won't be going around for a little bit longer is Trent Whittemore. As Mullen updated us today, that he's still probably a couple weeks away from returning. He's still dealing with a broken rib that uh, ended up puncturing his lung against Arkansas. And as Mullen said, they're just going to have to wait on the x-rays. So that's one that is truly going to be a wait and see. We'll know when they know. Uh, and then uh, another bit of good news is linebacker James Houston returns after missing a couple of games with an undisclosed injury. Now, we 
talked about Florida struggling defensively against Vanderbilt. However, I don't necessarily think the linebackers were an issue. In fact, we saw glimpses from a lot of different guys, especially with Houston out, uh, and, and there was a good snap share with probably, I think, four different guys or so, or five different guys even ending up playing while Houston was out. And they did a good job. It, it, it's definitely going to be nice to have Houston back because he's a guy that can shoot gaps and make plays in the backfield. But they, I mean, Mumu Diabate ended up having tying his career high in tackles with seven. And we saw Tyron Hopper come out in flashes. Josiah Pierre came out and laid the wood on a tackle and, he looked pretty solid, uh, that being two redshirt freshmen right there. I think that's exactly what you'd want to see, right, Demetrius? That's exactly right. And I think that you're right about the the idea that these young players have come in and they've kind of made an impact, especially with this week against Vanderbilt. You kind of want to see that going forward. And I'm not exactly sure that James Houston being back, while it's great for their defense, they have another linebacker. I'm not quite sure if that actually helps that. I, I think that it just makes it so it's a little bit tougher for these young linebackers to see the field. Now, James, James Houston's going to be the immediate backup to both spots. And I don't know how much Hopper is going to be able to get on the field. Uh, we haven't even seen Wingo at all really play on defense when it mattered. And I think that that just makes him more of a less chance of, of, of ever seeing the field this season, which is not something that Dan Mullen really necessarily wants them to do. Uh, we'll probably talk about that a little bit more tomorrow, but just in terms of having these young guys get in and develop and, and make plays, I I think that you need to see that a little bit more. And just because James Houston's coming back, I don't think that that should necessarily take away these snaps from guys like Diabate. Like, like you said, you know, he's come in and he's had a, he's done a great job. I mean, it's his first time in his career playing off ball, really not going after the passer every down and he's excelled. And, and I feel like each week he gets better. So having a guy like Houston comes back is great for the defense. It gives you a little bit more versatility, a little bit more uh, fresh legs on the, in the linebacker group, but how much of that is going to impact your development. I guess it's a little wait and see right now. That's very true. Now, when we return from these messages, we'll be switching back over to the offense, talking about Kyle Trask, talking about what he and Dan Mullen had to say. As Trask continues to cement himself as the front runner for the Heisman Trophy. What's up, everybody? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Locked On Gators podcast. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Whether it's work, friends, family, a million pressing social issues, or just an expectation in general to be on 24-7. Sometimes you need to just take a moment, turn off, hit reset. You need to chill. And that's when you reach for a Coors Light. Especially on game days, man. I'll tell you what, I can't really drink much during college football Saturdays, but on NFL Sundays, it's therapeutic for me, man, to sit down, drink a beer, and enjoy some football. And that's what I do. I'll reach for a Coors Light. It's the official beer of watching any sport just to drink beer. It's mountain cold refreshment that's literally made to chill. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. Coors Light is the beer I choose when I need to unwind. So when you need to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light. In the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coreslight.com. That's get.coreslight.com to get Coors Light delivered straight to your door. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. So, Demetrius, you, I'm going to share a funny story. You were not on the beat last year, obviously. And I was in my third game covering Florida um, when Kyle Trask came in. Now, 
the funny part about it is that I actually was not covering that game. It was in Kentucky, and I had, before you joined, our number two was Graham Marsh, and he was covering the game for me as I had gotten myself and my ex-girlfriend tickets to a concert festival, and we were in the middle of watching Panic at the Disco. It was an incredible set. It, it was awesome. It's like, I forget exactly what time, probably 9.30 or 10, I guess, and I am just... I had been waiting years to see this band in concert, and it was just as good, if not better, than I thought it would be. And then I get the text from Graham, Felipe's out. He's done. Trask is coming in the game. And the music all stopped around me. I had no idea what was going on. I, I had barely any Wi-Fi, so I couldn't type the story myself, but I had to go and check to make sure it was good to go. <sighs> anyway, I Memories. feel really good for Kyle Trask, right? <laughs> really that's that's actually crazy you know you 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 were absent but you had to you had to figure it out and look at you well i'm not the mvp here kyle is uh, felipe and well let's just talk about i guess kentucky really sucks for injuring felipe in the middle of what was a great concert <laughs> i guess i guess if, if you think of it that way that's true it, 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 when the world revolves around the- me like yeah that's how we should all <laughs> I think I think that perhaps you know maybe you shouldn't go to a concert this Saturday because if you do, you never know. I, maybe we'll see Emory. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to worry about that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that's considering very true. what we talked where... about on the last episode. I, uh, I, I'm, you don't have to worry about me going to concerts. I forgot we're in the middle time. of a pandemic. It's easy to forget. Yeah, I won't be going anytime soon. Uh, speaking <laughs> of prior episodes, make sure to stick with us for future episodes. Uh, we're going to continue getting ready for this Kentucky game this week. Uh, talking more about Kyle Trask, obviously. I mean, he's always a headliner for this show. Uh, we know that's what you guys want to hear, so make sure to stick around as we continue to break him down and this game throughout the week. Uh, but sticking with Kyle, uh, we got to talk to him and Mullen today uh, really about the the small things, the X's and O's. And one thing with uh, Kyle is we've seen, we've talked about, and I don't mean to sound negative here, but for all the wonders he's had, he does have some of those tight window throws where we've talked about it. He might have won a game where looks like he could get intercepted or it's just a what's going on throw. And Mullen was even specifically asked about that today. If he views that as an issue or what goes into that. And he basically said, I mean, it was along the lines of he doesn't think Kyle's necessarily going out and just making bad decisions. He's really trusting his reads it's where he's supposed to be going with the ball, and you know they're they're not upset about it. So, Demetrius, how do you read into that? Yeah, I mean that's pretty much exactly how I would feel about Kyle Trask's performance against Vanderbilt this weekend. I mean, it wasn't necessarily spectacular. It wasn't a highlight-worthy game. You're not going to be seeing his highlights very often on SportsCenter, I guess, from that game. But the guy threw three touchdowns. Uh, how many yards did he have? Over 300 yards? I mean, this was a great game for him in any quarterback at, at all at the FBS level. I think that we get caught up a little bit sometimes in how amazing this offense has looked, to put it lightly, over the past few weeks and just how you know eye-popping it is to see all these numbers. You know, To see Kyle Trask throw six touchdowns, I, I think that – We've kind of given him an unfair advantage. You know, it it just seems like those expectations are a little bit too high. But now we do have to say, though, they kind of set these expectations themselves. Each week we ask them, you know, how good can this offense be? And they're saying it could be better. It could be perfect. We want to score on every drive. So 
for fans, for our observers, for the media, for us, we just want to see that pretty much every single week because those are the expectations that they've set on themselves. Those are the goals that they set on themselves. So when we see Kyle Trask only throw for 300-something yards, three touchdowns, we think, oh, well, you know, clearly the offense struggled a little bit. But real in reality, that's just kind of a norm. Now, will it be acceptable against a team like Alabama in the SEC title game? I don't necessarily think so. I think that they need to be able to score a little bit more often, but that's okay. You know, uh, if this is a down game, what I'm saying is it's going to be okay. Yeah, without a doubt. And that's what Dan said too. If he's thrown for nearly 370 yards and three touchdowns, like I said earlier, that's that's a bad game. I I, I don't know if I want to see a terrible game. I, I, and I mean, what what is a perfect game if that's a bad game? I know. Like it, it, 10 <laughs> touchdowns? Right? Yeah. I have no idea. It's what they hint at, and man, let's not get too far ahead. Not be negative. But we are going, I I would expect we'll need to see that against Alabama. Not 10 touchdowns, maybe, but something along the lines of the damn near perfect game, if not the perfect game. Because they got to match scores in that game. As I've said for a while now, they, they will have to match scores in order to stand a chance, have a domino or two roll their way. Um, I would say don't defer, but uh, just yeah, they they're they're gonna need Trask in games like Vanderbilt where they're not perfect is a great way for him also to shake some things off to get some of the uncomfortable things maybe that have been happening throughout the season just out of him. He can get past a thirty-eight to seventeen okay game against Vanderbilt. In fact, when you consider this week, consider how much it should mean to him and his career, like. And having Kyle Pitts back, that's a cherry on top. At that point, you'd expect Trask to come out firing. Absolutely. I mean, this is kind of circling back. I don't know if Kyle necessarily thinks about it like this, you know, going back to last year. Obviously, this is the game that kind of kick-started his real career in, at Florida where he was, he got the starting position and he never gave it back because of an injury. And then, obviously, he outplayed Emory Jones throughout, and he's continued to outplay him in practice. Clearly, he's played well in games, and, now he's here again. It's kind of like full circle almost. So this is a game that I think Kyle is going to take a lot of pride in to making sure that he does play well, but he, he does that every single week. I think I think uh, we kind of talk about Kyle Trask and the Heisman odds and the numbers and all that other stuff way more often than he thinks about it. Now, he could be lying to us. He could be at home looking up his stats every single night and making sure that he's still on top of the Heisman odds. But I just very seriously doubt that just from all the interactions we've had with him, all the interactions that people have had out have had with him outside of the game of football, outside of the press conferences. It just doesn't seem like he would be the type of guy to goggle at his own numbers. So I don't necessarily think that he's going to be uh, hurt if he doesn't get the certain stats, but I do think that this is a game that he's going to want to play well and excel in just to kind of show himself that, you know, how far he's come. Yeah, I would too. I mean, I'm, I'm certainly expecting it out of him and I'm expect, and I'm going to be happy for him when he reaches that. Cause just again, what a, what a dope story. Anyway, when we come back, we are going to be diving into a little bit of recruiting as there is some news that should only be expanded upon come Thursday when it comes to the Florida Gators. What's up, everyone? This is Zach Goodall, host of the Lockdown Gators podcast. And I'll tell you what, being a sports journalist, doing what I do every day, I do need a lot of energy. I'm a guy that's always drank coffee, but recently it's just not been getting it done for me in order for me to break through my wall. 
which is why I've been going towards Built Go as a replacement for any other energy drink because it's a lot more healthy. It's brought to you by the same folks that brought us Built Bar, my favorite protein bar that we've talked about plenty here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's great because not only does Built Go bring you energy, but it also gives you protein. It's also loaded with vitamins uh, such as B6 and B12, 10,000% of your daily value, and other great things, including collagen protein that's fast-absorbing to get into your system fast. Plus, it's easy on your stomach when you've got a long day ahead, filled with work, where you really need this energy. It comes in three great flavors, my favorite being the peanut butter honey. It's got a kick of caffeine, and it's only 1.5 ounces in each package. So it's easy to carry around, easy to take with you whenever you need it. Visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Let's break through those walls. So it was announced today, Demetrius, that despite his standing commitment since last November, just yeah, over a year now, uh, with the Florida Gators, linebacker athlete out of Heard County, Chief Borders, is going to be making his final decision this Thursday on Thanksgiving between four schools, Florida, Stanford, Michigan State, and Florida State. Now, I have reasons to believe myself that it is down to Florida and Stanford. And I personally, uh, I'm going to be chatting with Chief at some point soon, and I'm sure we'll be getting a lot more details on exactly what's going through this decision for him. But first things were first, first things first. What a incredible achievement for him uh, to have Stanford as an offer. He calls it, he said it's been his dream school since he was four years old. He's been accepted into the school. Who would blame the dude for leaving any commitment anywhere except maybe an Ivy League school, but to go and play football for Stanford? That's just, what an honor. No, we talk about the Ivy League schools. I mean, Stanford's like maybe one little half step down from that. That that would be an incredible achievement. I mean, to even get into Stanford, not even on a football scholarship or anything like that, to get into Stanford on your educational merits alone, that's probably one of the highest achievements you can get as a American person. So uh, just for him to even have that on the table, I, I know it has to be really, really hard because I know how much he loves Florida he loves the program. Clearly, you know, it's going to be a tough decision for him to make, and he's going to be making it on Thanksgiving, I guess. But it, it, it should be interesting to see. Uh, the the Stanford product or or football, it, it has to be extremely enticing, and I'm really interested to see what he does too. I mean, he says it's his dream school. If it is his dream school, you know, they're not – they don't have a half-bad football team themselves. So I, I could see him definitely flipping there and – I know that he's currently, you know, quote unquote committed to Florida, but he's definitely put his uh, options on the table again. And I I guess we'll just have to see. Yeah. And I mean, he told Sports Illustrated in August that things were neck and neck between the two schools. So it's not anything that we haven't necessarily seen coming. But with that being said, I don't really see Michigan State or Florida State being legitimate factors here. I think it will be down to Florida and Stanford. If I were him, you know, all the respect in the world to Dan Mullen and his program, but I'm I'm doing Stanford too. Just that's such a such an amazing accomplishment for the dude. And I think honestly, I mean, Florida's got. I don't think Chief is a 
bad player. I think he's a good recruit, and I would take him into my class because he's definitely an intriguing athlete. We don't exactly know what his best spot is because he's an evolving athlete. He's gotten a lot bigger. There's not anything I think that he necessarily does great on tape, but he does a lot of different good things, and he's been tried in a lot of places. But at the same time, when you're, going, when you're coming to Florida and you see the defensive class they put together this year and in years past and what they're already starting to build, they've got a five-star in the 2022 class and there's another one in Jaheim Singletary who's planning to make his final decision with Florida as a contender on January 2nd, another five-star corner. So Florida's putting together some elite defensive classes here. Go, if I'm Chief go and maybe be like the focal point of a Stanford defense while getting that Stanford education. You might really get the best of both worlds in that uh, scenario. Yeah. And and I will say about his profile as a collegiate player going into the college level as an athlete, especially on this Gators defensive front. I mean, we've seen the types of players that they've recruited. It's all athletes at the, at the linebacker position. I mean, you look at a guy like Derek Wingo, we don't even really know where he's going to play. He hasn't really got on the field. And and you were saying, Zach, that he rushed the passer pretty much all of his high school career. And I bet you they're going to play him a little bit off ball. Look at Diabata. He's, he was a rush in pretty much last season as a buck almost and kind of spent time in multiple places, played some star, played some whatever. But if you look at how they profile these guys, it's more of, hey, you're a versatile defensive player. Get on the field. And that's pretty much what we've seen. Amari Bernie, same thing. I think he was a safety before, right? Or he was. It's, it's, just, it's just certain players that it doesn't matter necessarily what their position was in high school. And even if he doesn't have a natural position, he's going to find out, you know, once he gets to Florida or once he gets to Stanford. It's going to be interesting. And I, I think that one thing they do have have in their favor is that they, they have plenty of other options. If, if, if he does end up going to Stanford, like you said, I think that they're going to be just fine. They might even try to go out and get other players. Uh, they're not going to be, uh, you know, losing too much sleep over not getting a guy like Borders, but he is a fantastic out- athlete, and I think that they would love to have him in their program. Yeah, I, I think that they would love to have him too, but you're right. It opens up – they don't have much room in their recruiting class, obviously. They've got a lot of commits in this class. They've got other needs. They've got other targets. We know Xavier Sori specifically at linebacker, so – if they viewed Borders as an off-ball linebacker particularly and they lost him but got sorry, no one's saying a word. And, and there might be other linebackers out there as well that they want to try and get into the class. They've got a best friend of Sori's and Terry on Arnold at safety up in Tallahassee that they'd love to get into the class. It's just they, they've got work left to do. They've got guys that they still want. So one way or another, they'll take, they will definitely take Chief if he ends up wanting to come here. Can't, can't blame him if he goes another way, one way or another. Nope. Anyway, I think that will just about do it for us here at the Locked On Gators podcast. So, of course, if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can listen to Locked On Gators anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. Make sure to throw us a follow. Uh, myself on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, Demetrius at Demetrius82. Most importantly, at Locked On Gators. You'll never miss an episode. And we will catch up with you guys later.